Welcome back to the Gods Will Not Save You. This is Jakob here, and we're back to talk more wire. Yeah. Hi, everybody. This is Willie. Uh, it's good to be back here with y'all talking about the wire. Uh, just a quick reminder uh, you know, we appreciate all of our listeners out there, all of our current supporters. And if you would like to join the movement as far as the uh, donation is concerned, just, uh, you know, you can always find our link to, to do so. Uh, anchor.fm slash the gods will not save you slash support. I hope I nailed that. That was great. Um, and then, of course, if, if that's not if that's not exactly it, there's plenty of content where Willie is saying it uh, properly for you to refer to. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but hey, if this is your first listen, that should be uh, that should be good intel there. Welcome. So yeah, we're back here. Yeah, we are going to be discussing season three, episode seven, backburners. So yeah, I was going to uh, get into. I was going to say if you haven't been listening until just now. You've been putting our podcast on the back burner. Then there's no better way for you to start than with this episode. Avon uh, falls for Marlo's trap, kind of, to be lulled into a false sense of security. Uh, Slim Charles reports that Marlo hasn't been really showing his face out in the out in public a lot, and that uh, rumor is going around that he's just keeping it wholesale, which uh, makes Avon think that uh, Marlo doesn't quote-unquote have the heart. Yeah, but they just, you know, Avon's a soldier. He's just a gangster. Some Charles is too, even though he, you know, like we talked about last episode, he, you know, he's he's a little bit more than just the muscle he is they like has the capacity to be pretty brutal and you know yeah. fall through with his assignments but then he like you said he's kind of sticking up for Cuddy. so you know he's thinking the game too obviously he wouldn't be right. around at this stage if he hadn't so also with this scene we get our very first glimpse into what a uh, law enforcement's reaction might be to uh seeing Avon free and out and about um and unfortunately the first person to witness the spectacle of Avon, uh, you know, cutting his sentence short is Herc, who doesn't really necessarily have like a lot of insight into what Avon really meant as a target for the past detail. Uh, to him, it's just another person that was locked up that, you know, on a case he worked on. So it's not really sinking in <laughs> fully like how big of a deal this is and how much it's going to piss off uh, McNulty and Kima down the line. So great little seed that they're planting there of like, you know, it's basically like dumb and dumber with Herc, you know, just making like a casual observation like, oh yeah, that guy looks familiar. And then somebody else like not even recognizing the name or, you know, contextualizing <clears throat> how important uh this is that 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 they they got that he got let free it's kind of like uh herc is like oh you don't you don't know who he is and instead of you know pushing that point uh further you kind of just like oh well 
if he doesn't know exactly who he is, then eh, maybe he wasn't such a big deal. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, someone in a DEU unit or uh, you know who's out on the streets doesn't—they have no knowledge of historical events, major historic mm-hmm. events that took place just a year and a half, two years ago. So yeah, well, you know, that's Sad the thing of this, the season. Yeah, so yeah, lack of insight and real police work. Eric doesn't say anything. No, he's probably like. <laughs> Uh, you know, he's got ADD and whatnot. So Bunny is trying to get sort of a read on how his little experiment is working. And uh, he's looking at some of the internal statistics on like what the crime is looking like in certain neighborhoods of his district. And it's only down like 4%, which is like, I don't know, is that a big dramatic shift like four percent though in the context of uh civics and these type of things like i'm sure you know school districts have gone on strike before over a four four percent pay increase or you know four yeah. percent i'm sure carries quite a bit away but yeah uh real landsman mellow does you know i guess i'm doing that <laughs> lieutenant dennis mellow there is like oh they're gonna love you uh comstat yeah. so apparently you know big deal so yeah it's a significant percentage but it just speaks to the show's uh realistic penchant for um what what was the word i used before snail like pacing or like glacially uh, pace yeah for glacially paced progress uh <laughs> that by this time like you know crime is not down by like 20 percent or something four uh, percent a good realistic number that the show's writers came up with that that they can stick to with all this going on um their little his little experiment is starting to uh catch more sunlight from some of the other law enforcement members and it kind of like puts things in danger when um you know sidner and uh kima and mcnulty I'll stop Bodie who has a G pack on him. And then, uh, he's trying to explain to them that they're like headed to the free zone. And it's almost like that they're speaking a foreign language with like a lot more pushback from, um, some of the dealers like more than usual. So, uh, it's just going to show that with, uh, bunnies efforts to keep things so secretive, it has potentially like catastrophic consequences when not everybody's in on the scheme. I don't know. I mean, that's a big secret to keep, right? I, <laughs> yeah. I know. I, I couldn't imagine. It's like, you know, they always say, and I've said it too, Baltimore is not a really big city and he's operating in just one section of the city or so we think. I got some little <laughs> nitpicky geo stuff to talk about with you, but I'm I'll excited. leave it for now. Uh, no, but, um, yeah, it's just, you know, he's gone to Jimmy in the detail for intel that's pretty much helped create Amsterdam. But, uh, you know, as far as contacting mid-level dealers and getting the crews together, you know, in a way that will more easily convey his message to, to stay off the corners. Yeah. So it's kind of surprising that, well, I mean, you know, as we see, we're going to talk about the detail. They got their own stuff going on. And Jimmy's always, you know, obviously... Out, out for his own cases, but no one's really kind of put that together. Like, yeah, why was Bunny uh, asking for all this information on these people? And 
what yeah. the hell's going on here? What? But they realize with the crowd that's gathered and, um, you know, Carver, who we'll talk about, who's kind of going through a bit of transformation. This episode is kind of uh, sticking up for Bodhi, which is one of his old nemesis from the, uh, from the, yeah. pit. and, uh, you know, Jimmy and Kima, they have no idea what's going on. So genuinely flabbergasted. I mean, it's very telling that Jimmy, who like up to this point was, you know, the most outside the box thinking character in the police world. Um, and even he <laughs> is mm-hmm. like looking side eyed at Bodhi, like, uh, or no, no side eyed at Bunny and being like, mm, are you sure? This is gonna work. Like, what are you thinking here? This is wild. Yeah, he's he's like perplexed in some ways, but also uh, very much you know true to his form. He's like, oh, okay, you're breaking the rules. Like, I kind of I like that though. Yeah, this is great. I, he doesn't have the same, you know, just dis, not disgust, but the frustration of Sidner, who right. we'll, we'll talk about is you know already kind of been slighted to this point uh, with his own work on another case but you know the whole like ah this is my righteous uh, duty to pull drugs off the street because we've seen jimmy in the past like uh i'm not here but for the drugs i just want to talk about the uh murders and this type of thing so it's i mean pretty much as soon as he's able to get bodie's burner he's like all right well work is done here it's no skin off my back really or neck Mm. is it skin skin off it's, you know, I'm not taking any skin off for this. I got what I need. I don't need yeah. to like be on my high horse about telling kids not to sell drugs. Like we have a case to work. I don't really care if Bunny is doing this. Maybe just look out for yourself a little bit because this is a dangerous experiment. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, he's like, I got my own schemes to pull, my own lies uh, to. You know, as you've told me before, I can't keep track of your lies. Um, so, no. <laughs> but that's uh, <laughs> like out of context. Uh, well, putting some things in context here, maybe uh, Colvin gives them the rundown. Them being Kima and Jimmy and the confused members of the detail, and he's kind of laying uh, laying out the uh, sites for these little Hamsterdam uh, locations, these free zones. Talks about the old Winchester homes. I got to I got to do more research, really, to find the exact location. And, and then he also mentions that, of course, you know, Vincent Street. Then he talks about the Copper's Plant, old Copper's Plant. So I just found it interesting. You know, we talked about the can company, and you know, obviously, a lot of the themes of deindustrialization. So it's like another side of industry that's been shuttered and now being, you know, directly linked to this uh, drug trade. And I just found that to be interesting. Yeah. The copper's plant, the old side of the copper's plant, which by the way, just a little background is like, you know, metalworking. They, I know that they did a whole lot of stuff, obviously throughout history, like I'm sure, you know, closer to the war and all that they're involved in those type of defense industries, but they made a uh, cast iron, like miniature, not miniatures, but like figurines of like animals and dogs Ooh. and kettles and all sorts of, kind of like seem more like niche uh iron works which seem pretty cool but the plant location i there's a few different addresses um but most of them point to south baltimore specifically more like pigtown which 
like around Scott Street and Bush and West Hamburg and Bush and Wacomico, which is like, yeah, just a part of like the south of the residential areas of Pigtown, which is southwest or you know, like, you know, south, it's technically south Baltimore, southwest of downtown. Um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, warehouse space or those type of uh, industrial sites. Uh, you know, it's obviously vacated those areas. Um, but that's not in the Western. That's my whole point, Willie. So I'll be in the Southern District. So how, like, Bunny's so good at keeping secrets that he's keeping secrets from <laughs> other district commanders by putting these sites in their own their own districts. Uh, some tells me there's no way that would that would go over on other district commanders. Or is Bunny just like the most gangster cop of all time? I don't know. I mean, they don't film anything there, so I don't know why they mentioned it. Maybe they just wanted to bring up the whole like last the death of work and just you know the industrialization angle. Um, because also, uh, and I'll wrap up this whole little geo bit here. Uh, he's like, go look at my worst corners, Edmondson and Bryce, which you've known and talked mm-hmm. about. Um, North and Pulaski where Dozerman got shot, obviously. So bad at drug area, but Payson and Hollins, I looked that up too. And this is now with like current districting, districting maps in Baltimore, uh, in the police department. Yeah. Yeah. It could have changed, but, um, that's the Southwestern district. It's not even in the Western. So I don't know though, when the Southwestern, you know, became its own police district, but so, you know, something about that location. I was like, that, that seems a little far South to be in the mm-hmm. Western, but so I don't know. I don't know what Bunny's up to. Um, but you know, as always, Matt Beast, David Simon, come on, come at me. Uh, we're going to get back to the Boudin and, uh, yeah. Pop- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. These are my, this is my modern map beef with David Simon and, and uh, what is it? Uh, God damn it. The location guy. But this is nothing. They're not filming around these areas either, Willie. So it's just like the writing. So anyways, you know, like we said, Bunny's like, hey, my worst areas, they are now pretty calm. Go look at them if you're going to judge me. And like, mm-hmm. you know, we kind of talked about fun, uh, funny old Jimmy's like, mm-hmm. it's your, you know, it's your, uh, your, your deal, man. I got, I got phones to steal and. I got uh, burners to, you know, to bring back to my unit. So, from there, do you want to transition into talking about what's going on with the detail and? Oh yeah, kind of like. They got this uh, new angle to oh, yeah. uh, to work on things as far as surveillance is concerned. But before that, Daniels, who uh, we talked about the end of uh, episode six, kind of got a uh, you know got ambushed by the top brass, has to make the announcement to the detail that they switched from Kentel to uh, yeah. to working on the uh, Stringer, you know, Barksdale, Marlowe yeah. situation. And, and as they, as the detail is switching up its approach or its angle and like what they're going to, you know, focus their target on, they're transitioning over to, um, you know, looking into Stringer Bell. 
the audience is switched up to a new angle to where we get up, we get, you know, some insight into what Sidner and Prezbaluski and Freeman have really been working on already with Kintel Williamson. And it's kind of frustrating that they get the rug pulled out from under them. And, you know, they could have been actually like working a legit case with that. But, you know, once again, we get, um, as I said, some insight into how selfish Jimmy really is that for some reason, well, there's lots of legit reasons, but he wanted to make Stringer Bell the primary target because it's, you know, the thing that he wanted to see get done while his colleagues are suffering because of his uh, rash actions or decisions. What, what's up with Lester, though? I mean, he's kind of like he's been working both too. Sides. But yeah, exactly. He's like, well, you know. We gotta follow the bodies. It's been quiet. I mean, we gotta we gotta work on what we're working on now. And his yeah. uh, understudies, in a, you know, some regards, are like, ah, man, I want to work for a real police department, whatever that yeah. means, I guess. Uh, but then, uh, yeah, Jimmy's kind of like adding insult to injury as he's, you know, known to do or skilled at, and not only uh, pretty much neutralizes or. Waste Prez's uh, weeks of work and and research by you know then also having him track down uh, his new fling, yeah, and personal information in his you know creep creepy manner. So yeah, it's like Jimmy's little game. You know he needs he needs more more layers to his uh, devious activities. Yeah, I mean if he hadn't like talked you know falsely talked up like how important Terry D'Agostino was to him and like the presence of Kima, he might not have like had to like go back and double down on like making that a prospect, like a possible relationship. Um, It was a foolish, it's a foolish errand on his part. And yeah, like you said, he's further wasting uh, Prez's precious time by getting him to chase down booty call. (laughs) <laughs> the chase down booty call and boudin uh conspiracy <laughs> chase down boudin call uh uh God. Yeah, i mean jimmy's kind of you know, he's blown up their investigation into kintel and then you know as talked about he's taken over this uh this new angle with the phones and the burners and the barksdales and then he's also but then he and then he cuts corners even like he still cuts corners uh, and doesn't even want to follow through with the surveillance on Bodie, which uh you know what yeah you know it's just i mean not only is it i think unethical in some ways and we'll, i want to talk about like this whole phone thing but you know they miss they miss a chance to cite, uh, cite or make Avon out uh, for themselves right. so you know, due to Jimmy's uh, impatience and need to go, uh, you know, get drunk. And... Yeah, but he's buying. I mean, that's pretty. Yeah, okay. yeah. He is. He is buying. What does that mean, though, for someone like Sidner, who, I mean, he doesn't really. He doesn't. I mean, he doesn't have child you know, support, so like. <laughs> what? <laughs> like Sidner doesn't have to pay child support oh, or okay. anything. So why is he like so? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he doesn't like. Yeah, that's a good point. Like Jimmy, 
not only is he behind in alimony and like you know, child support, he's still spending his money at the bar instead because he's a mess. But yeah, I mean, I mean, Sidner to me just doesn't seem like I was trying to say like a drinker. So mm. like, it, yeah, is, we know. is there a huge difference between him having to buy his own drinks and someone buying them for him? I get it. Like a free drinks, a free drink, but he doesn't seem like, oh, like, man, I was going to go spend $80 at the bar tonight. Like now, thankfully, McNulty can buy me 12 <laughs> drinks. He seems like he has, you know, a few drinks and he's like, all right, well, I'm still pissed off. So, yeah. Just... Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's just uh, his way of acquiesce or like, you know, it's like apologizing. Right. <laughs> well, because he yeah. did blow up Sidner's work too, right? So it's like, yeah. like Jimmy, his way of, Oh, I'm going to get you some, you know, I'm going to buy you rounds, but it's like, I'm still making you join me at the bar. Like, this isn't like, Hey, I'm sorry, bud. Like I care about you. Yeah, Let me buy like, you some rounds. It's like, come on. I mean, if you don't come with me to the bar, then you're like, I'm going to belittle you and make your life more miserable. Yeah. It's just the opportunity for him to evangelize about like what new thing he's figured out to try and move along in this case. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that eventually uh, we kind of talked off top about how he uh, he takes Bodhi's phone. It's like this this kind of mirroring. It's like the next evolution of the pager swap. or Exactly. <laughs> but, but what is the premise behind, you know, his plan? Like, is it something he would have to document? And how does, <laughs> do they ever explain how it's, 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 he spins it to Daniels or it's just kind of like, Hey, I got, I got this guy's phone. And no one's like, Hey, how did you get this? I mean, we've seen Daniels and Jimmy kind of have what looked like, right. you know, it could be a final falling out or Daniels is done Major with him. falling out. Yeah. And then he's like, Oh look, you just got a phone. There's no, like I'd completely trust your judgment and that you would follow, you know, not only chain of command, but all the uh, procedures and protocols into gaining this piece of evidence. Maybe it's almost, like that happens. Maybe it's almost like they just don't want to know. Just like if <laughs> McNulty shows up with a random piece of evidence, they're like, okay, he probably cut some corners in getting this, but uh, he's got it. So nobody asks questions and just leave it at that. <laughs> Let's not try yeah. to find out where this came from. Maybe just like, you know, if if it's out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. Like if they didn't know anything about what Jimmy was doing shadily and if like he was held to account later, they couldn't be held responsible for aiding and abetting. I don't know. Yeah, he found it. You know, the CI brought it to him. Yeah. Um, but what's up? Uh, these phones, like, uh, Lester transforms into his, uh, you know, tech uh, self, his uh, phone company. You know, he used to be like CEO of a major phone company, it seems, in his past life because he knows how all the uh, patterns work and networks. And, you know, he's really good at coordinating the, the cell phone tower. So I don't know. That's like kind of confusing to me. So I don't know if you got any yeah, thing to add or um, just like. You know, they got their speed dial set up because. Yeah, Prez is so excited about the speed dial feature. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe he's a little bit on a, an island of his own. It's like, wow, guys, look at it. Like, <laughs> there's some things that he could uh, be um, contagious with his enthusiasm about, but the really, really like tech geeky stuff. 
he's still kind of uh, <laughs> preaching to him. Uh, he's, you know, he's talking to himself basically. Yeah. And it just seems kind of like the uh, the code that they thought was really complicated in season one. They realized like, oh, these kids can't. At the end of the day, they're you know they're still young kids, and it's not as yeah. it's not as intricate as we thought because they have a lot of numbers to memorize. So oh yeah, look, yeah we got the speed dial too. They're gonna have to start. Th- they have to throw their phones away every so often. <laughs> so. Yeah. So you want to talk about this whole phone thing because uh, Bernard, one of the Barksdales. Uh, yeah. You know, purchasers of these. Uh, he works in the part, the Barksdale purchasing department. As far as burners are concerned, is is uh, followed quite a bit. Uh, his storyline, as far as purchasing these, is yeah. this like the equivalent to like a Breaking Bad, or you know, well, you know how we feel about all that stuff. But just like uh, I'm trying to use like a more concrete instead of example, instead of getting into hypotheticals, you know. Mm-hmm. Of like, I'm trying to blend like the truth and you know utilize a fictional reference point. Like, if there's someone making a lot of meth, they need people to go buy Sudafed for them, and then like they have to go to all these different stores, so it's not like suspicious. Easily not that I, yeah. And I've never known anyone who like got involved with crazy stuff like that. It's all from like shows like Breaking Bad. I popularized that uh that whole cult subculture, but Bernard's like being. You know, basically, um, yeah, his girlfriend or whoever he's, he's dating, who's what's that? Squeak. Squeak is uh, you know, perplexed at his uh, dedication to following, you know, right. this kind of like trail, like all going all around the uh, the county and rural parts yeah. of Maryland to track these phones down. A lot of weak links in this organization, though, because. Okay, Shamrock is throwing away all the receipts that yeah. may or may not be like a fatal mistake, but just her seeing that it makes her think like, oh, like it's all good to go ahead and just like buy in bulk from one location. Um, so not a lot of like clear understanding on what the strategy is behind uh, spreading the purchases out. So pretty yeah. funny stuff. The the way they're not able to uh see eye to eye on on how all this works there's a, there's one location that bernard has to uh, head to or chooses to go purchase these phones from burtonsville i mean burtonsville's not like she's like ah why are we going all the way out there it does it does seem like really far away it's just it's really like just a little bit southwest of the bwi the airport mm-hmm. so it's like it, it's really only probably a half hour 40 minutes from Baltimore at the most. But, I mean, they get to do a lot of scenic driving and yeah. anyways, you know, whatever. Uh, String is uh, doing the dome- like lightweight domestic violent. Well, like <laughs> looks he's like, like he's shown flashes of like a abusive boyfriend definitely um yeah so not happy that uh donette is just uh talking to or answering questions from jimmy jimmy's really under string skin at this point um right and i mean string yeah it's like 
you decided to have someone's son killed. So, I mean, what, like, what blowback do you think was he thinking would occur? Like, no one would care. Yeah, definitely didn't think it would lead to him, like, wearing a tank top and slamming the table. Just aggressively drinking ice water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. You know, Idris Elba is a great actor. Rarely get to see him, like, kind of, like, fly off the rails a little bit like this and, like, show his, like, true temper. So when it does happen, it's all the more scary. So really tense mm-hmm. scene between him and Donnette. Yeah, it kind of it caught me off guard. Like I knew it was gonna happen still, but maybe I was taking a note at that moment. And then I just I heard the I was like, oh shit, it's yeah. Kinda, but maybe it's like also all uppers weekdays. Like I get a little jittery with all the caffeine, so I'm like, oh shit. Yeah, like, just caffeine happening? though, right? That's the upper you're talking about. Yeah, all uppers. I mean, you I know you're into like all downers <laughs> on the weekends, which is just like chamomile kava. Tea. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, chamomile tea. Only kava. that. Yeah. Um, we're seeing the greater fissures or mm-hmm. the, the divide is deepening between String and Avon. I mean, right. Levy is uh, kind of caught up in it as he would be working in the capacity of their, right. of their lawyer. But uh, he's like, uh, you know, okay, Avon should probably know, or right, he and String are talking about the whole Avon angle and strings like, Oh, I'll, t- I'll tell him I'll handle that, which we know is probably not going to happen. Right. At this point. Well, it will happen, but it's yeah. going to have like really, you know, yeah. dire consequences considering, uh, you know, the attitudes and emotions that are attached to it. Just, you know, nobody knows the full story like Stringer does. So like any advice or like, conflicting opinions on you know the minutia of what happened surrounding d'angelo's death you know nobody's gonna get the full like picture argument of what should be done about it because stringer has managed to be so secretive about all of this and uh yeah it's all blown up in his face now yeah so i know you talked about uh some charles he's obviously at the forefront of their uh street operation he's being you know entrusted with uh kind of setting up the uh setting up shop and it's like uh setting setting this new or you know reestablishing the Bar- barksdale corners is uh it's like poot poot is the uh guy that they <laughs> choose to do so so he's like their yeah. sacrificial lamb in a way it's like why Meaning- why him I mean, he has to be right because, like, just based on like how little regard uh, yeah. his superiors have shown for him in the past. I mean, like Stringer like knocked a microphone off of its stand in aggressive uh, rea- in an aggressive reaction to some asinine comment that Poot had made. So, yeah, if uh, Snoop had been successful in executing. Uh, both Poot and his friend there on that corner, I doubt Avon or Stringer would shed nary a tear uh, in reaction to Poot's demise. But, yeah, some things that stood out to me about this whole situation, Oh, I mean, first lines from uh, Chris and Snoop, right? Yeah. So they're up there with the... Uh, with the pigeons. The, the pigeons, the squeakers and squabs. I have no idea what these terms mean yeah about pigeons but uh, marlo's like uh, 
And it's nice it's to see. Yeah. But it's also like, oh, this is like the only way that Marlo can show like, um, I guess his like softer side or his gentler side because he's so callous about, you know, regular human life, but it seems like he's got a good little, uh, pigeon shelter going on there. <laughs> yeah. He's got his bird, he's got his coop or, you know, they fly him or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like stereotypical, uh, Oh, you know, we're going to use these as a lookout or whatever, like in some <laughs> movies and music videos. Is that what they do? Like, Use pigeons you know, like, as lookouts? Or like they fly the flocks and then they like have them do certain things to, um, or maybe I just took that, like in training day, do you remember like when they cruise into the jungles and it's like people are up there with like birds, like the pigeons doing like clapping for them to uh, I like barely sign the cops are coming or something. I barely remember anything about training day. It's been so long, but I see what you're saying okay. though. Well, yeah, it's just like, I mean, we'll probably cut that out, but yeah, I mean, Marlo's got his, uh, you know, hobby or he's like got respect for his, uh, underlings who take good care of the pigeons and Mm -hmm. do that kind of thing. But, you know, then he'll just like, like you said, his lack of regard for human life. He just, it's like, all right, Snoop time. You're, you're up. So, but the main thing I want to talk about is what, like, what is up with the whole, Barksdale muscle situation <laughs> on the corners. Is this just to highlight, you know, how uh, how skilled in you know in that realm people like Weebay and Stinkum and Bird were, where now they have in place like these guys who obviously can't hang or regulate anything. <laughs> Maybe it's also it's also like a comment on Avon's lack of foresight that uh. He just already, he thinks like, oh, Marlo's not that big of a threat anymore since he hasn't shown his face. So like, you know, like, what do we, we don't really have to do anything. Shit, Poot's going to be on the corner? Yeah, sure. It's fine. There's nothing going on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, makes sense. Because his muscle, it's like they literally, like, do they think it's going to be like a bouncer situation? Because these two guys are huge, but they're, you know. One of them's coming out of the store while his other buddy and, you know, presumably Poots getting shot with like food or, you know, it's like, oh man. So do they think that Marlo's, yeah, like you said, is not a threat. So he's going to come up to them like, oh, you, sir, I challenge thee to a duel on this corner. No, like it's going to come like, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm overthinking it, but. You already made the point. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. We're, we're talking it through. Um, you know. but yeah, quite a, quite a, I mean, I know like we saw like a glimpse of Snoop in the last episode or two, but this is really like a great, I mean, it's not, it's not technically a debut, but it's a great way to like really fully like introduce the wrath of, uh, Snoop's character and what kind of like force she's going to be from now on in the show with the you know, a heightened capacity for indiscriminate killing. So, and it's like messed up to think about it or talk. I mean, she's, she looks like she knows what she's doing. Cause she really uh, has shot someone or at least In one person life, we yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I mean, we'll probably spend more time talking about her and all the crazy, uh, 
know, it's like, like how her, her rise to fame and, and you know, how the show kind of, what it meant to her and casting her. Um, but you know, we see this before, like with you know, little Melvin, mm-hmm. we'll talk about here probably with Cuddy soon, but you know, the way they weave all these, uh, events and, and characters and real life people into the show. It's crazy, crazy to think on. Anyways, I want to talk about a kind of isolated storyline that's actually connected more so to what was going on with Bunny in Amsterdam uh, because right. Bubbles is back. He's got his uh, Bubbles Depot going, trying yeah. to sell white tees, but um, that's like not that's not what's needed at this point in time <laughs> in Amsterdam. Yeah, this is, we get our first glimpse into what Amsterdam is like, uh, you know, during the nighttime and it's really like uh bubbles is kind of walking through hell um you know we're getting more and more evidence that bunny's experiment is having maybe some unintended consequences of just um creating you know blocks of utter chaos where even bubbles uh is uh is is frightened by it and like we've seen him struggle with addiction like all throughout the show, but it gets pretty like biblically uh, disturbing with all the sights he sees. And he even sees Johnny at one point, um, you know, squatting in an empty house, listening to some like freak jazz music or acid jazz music that is just downright discordant. And Johnny is like bragging that he's a Viking because he's surviving through all this. But like we see a uh, further division on uh, Bubs and Johnny's is a uh, perception of life and what it really means to be strong and all this. So quite the quite the eye opening moment for Bubs's character development. Usually nothing good's going to occur after Johnny says something like that. So it's like <laughs> foreshadowing there. But yeah, he dies at well, the end of the season. But yeah, but I mean, this is also kind of setting up the whole uh, humanitarian aspect, or uh, someone who's running a—is he like the doorman for the, like a brothel situation, or like a shooting gallery? And he mm-hmm. needs condoms and toilet paper, and right, uh, it's like no somebody else systems. Somebody so, else needs candles. Yeah, so he's getting the ideas uh, for other goods that he could be selling in Amsterdam. And, now we're going to see the public health response to the situation, but also leading up to that is uh, Carver's journey through this mm-hmm. hellish landscape. He's definitely deeply troubled by the plight of the, uh, the children there. I'm assuming like it's a school. It's still a school year. So there's <laughs> no there's no enforcement from that angle. Like, I mean, we're going right. to you know, season four. Obviously, does a great job, but. Um, you know, it's just assumed that, hey, they'd be on the corners anyway, so where else would they be? Like, school would not be it. Uh, so, he, yeah. but he's got he's got to come up with a plan to deal with all these, uh, you know, low-level individuals who uh, are being right. essentially laid off from, yeah, their, quite, from their jobs. Quite another turnaround that from the beginning of this season, Carver... Uh, gets in like an adamant pursuit of a hopper and later beats him 
But in this instance, in this episode, uh, his conscience is attacked by the idea that all these kids now are unemployed, but still hanging around drug dealers and users. So he at least wants them to get paid. Like he wants them to like, if they're not going to yeah. be going to school, like he still, like he at least wants them to have like some sort of survival. So he's just getting introduced to like an uglier side of like what their lives might be like with that, with, you know, the vacuum not being filled like, you know, them not even having the capacity to work. So that might even be more nightmarish. So he's, he's trying to rationalize and come up with ways of how he could help Bunny's experiment prove to be successful and uh, prompts a very nasty little horrid comment from Herc where he calls him a communist, which is like just about the worst thing you could. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Tommy Carves, man. What are we going to do about this Tommy Carves situation? Yeah, he's definitely diverging. He's going more, uh, you know, share our wealth, uh, right. redistributing uh, the funds. So what does this all, you know, say in regards to, the, like, the themes of, uh, you know, the death of work and, yeah, uh, you know, the low end of the... Uh, those caught up in these institutions suffering the most, and, you know. What are your I mean, thoughts it, there? It probably is just like uh, showing that ending the drug war is going to take a lot more like political know-how and like weighing the options of how the how to best go about, you know, the transitions and trial and error and all that. I mean, Carver, he's not like he's trying to like do administrative reform himself without even like consulting superiors. And he's like trying to go on his own mission when, um, if there's not clear communication of how policies are going to like actually get enacted, uh, it's going to end up being kind of catastrophic. So it just is showing, I think it's just showing that like with bold plans, you need to have a uh, bold actions that people can get on the same page about. Okay, well, since you're talking about, uh, you know, what the uh, political implications could be or what, you know, can occur with the lack lack of, uh, uh, you know, structure in these, uh, you know, institutions that are supposed to be helping people, do you want to talk about what's going on at the, as far as politics are concerned with the sure. Arketti? Yeah. Um, he's on his mission to try to, you know, bring more attention to the uh, lack of overhaul and the witness protection systems, uh, you know, that are supposed to be looking out for, for those who are in vulnerable situations. And he's not, he's not happy with uh, what Royce is, what Royce is up to having learned more from his interaction with Burrell, right? Or more, more like what Royce isn't up to because yeah. he's not really doing anything about it. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it is. It does come about from his interaction with Burrell. Who's not excited to be dealing with Carcetti at this point, given what <laughs> happened last time. But he's still, you know, they still need each other. Or, I don't know, that's an interesting relationship, right? I mean, I can only imagine, like, 
the myriad of unlikely alliances that form in the political spectrum where you have to deal with people that you don't like, but because you're all relying upon each other and it's all the, what have you done for me lately? Uh, mindset, you have to kind of like grit your teeth. Um, and I think, uh, Tommy knows how to exploit that with Burrell at this point. And, it's not like he's getting uh, dissuaded at all from Terry D'Agostino, who's <laughs> like mm. for the first time um, expressing uh, confidence that uh, with just the right know-how, he might successfully be able to pull this whole thing off. So she um, is nudging him in that direction with her own her own uh, chess moves, <laughs> I guess you could say. Yeah, which will seemingly aid Carcetti in his uh you know his quest to expose Royce uh you know right. pretty uh, politically savvy as far as you know like as Carver's handing out receipts you know to <laughs> the uh to the drug dealers um in Amsterdam you know she advises Carcetti to essentially you know create his own receipt for his interaction with Royce so that he could bring that up later on down the line if necessary which right. uh would help you know, like i said help him but uh carcetti's wife jen right i hope i get that right that yeah right? yeah 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 jen's like uh what about the what about the witnesses though <laughs> like if, if this happens again where someone gets killed yeah sure it might help your ascent to you know your candidacy for mayor but uh mayoral candidacy but that sounds right. People, yeah. people will be, uh, people will be hurt. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's not... starting to realize, like, oh man, it's, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, like, I, yeah, he's probably upset with her that she's thinking more in like moralistic terms than in like political calculus <laughs> or like you know, calculating uh, political strategies and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. In addition to all this, uh, we get glimpses of uh, Omar's uh, fractured uh, conscience over the lecture he got from Bunk in the last episode. And uh, Butchie kind of advises him on like uh, what to do to make things right. And he Omar is not willing to give up, you know, his own actions of what happened with the gunfight, because that would mean having to throw Dante under the bus, but at least he knows where Dozerman's gun is at. And that could, uh, kind of, um, silence, you know, shut bunk up for a while. <laughs> Get some great interactions with Butchie and Omar. I mean, yeah, Butchie one of my favorite characters for sure. He's got yeah. some crazy tales of an uncle from Carolina and dealing with a, uh, you know, a woman and, like basically, you know, the lesson being that you got to let things go and everyone's got their place. So, but uh, conscience do cost, Willie. That's right. So Omar pays, I, I forget the name. It's like a street name for someone who gets him the gun, right? Or brings it to Butchie. Costs $1,500. That's a, you know, it's a bit yeah. of conscience there, right? Yeah. I mean, this is, I think this also ties into, uh, him trying to atone for Tasha's death uh, beforehand. Um, maybe like trying to show Bunk in some way that he's not a quote unquote a predatory motherfucker as much as uh, 
Cyberpunk thinks he is. So yeah, kind of even leaves the gun and the uh, you know symbolically leaves it in the tie that he used to testify against Bird. Right? Is that exactly? But Bunk so. once Bunk uh, leaves the tie with Butchie because he um, is having some foresight himself that he might need it one day if he ever has to get back into court. Yeah, what a like, you know, budget budget friendly decision on his behalf too, go. because then that would save him like another court voucher for for clothes. And, exactly. You know, he'll he'll just even though that's the only thing they ended up getting, but it's like yeah. you know, I pretty yeah. Reduce, nice, reuse, recycle, right? <laughs> nice level of understanding they have between those two parties. Yeah, yeah. Like, is there any symbolism between Bunk cutting Crotchfield's tie off and then, like, the tie with Butchie, you know, the gun? Yeah, maybe there's just... maybe there's just, you know, a bit of irony there that he's, uh, he's you know, he's a practical joker around the office and kind of delegitimizing one of his colleagues is uh, stances in the whole hierarchy of things by making him look like a fool, but you know, he's aiding and abetting a known murderer by uh, giving him something nice to wear so that <laughs> he can get mm-hmm. off scot-free the next time uh, he's under intense scrutiny from the law. Yeah. That's a hot take, man. It's good stuff. Is it cool, man? Is it? Yeah, it is, really. Yeah, it is. Come on, man. We're almost there. <laughs> Cuddy, always uh, good to uh, see you. Dennis. All right. Okay. De- there you go. So you woke up for Dennis. Uh, it's like another so episode of uh, Transformations and stuff. I mean, this is maybe, yeah. this, well, now maybe it's more apparent than what we've seen, you know, waking up inside of Carver. But, uh, right. Cut. Dennis is making yeah. uh, making some strides. So what are your thoughts on this situation? I mean, this conversation that he has with the deacon where he's like talking about having an out-of-body experience where he's just like looking at himself fuck up. Um, it's almost as if uh, he knew he had to have that conversation, but it was something he put on the back burner. Uh, oh, uh, man, brilliant. <laughs> there you go, man. You always... Yeah, I mean, I definitely can relate to Cuddy's situation. Oh, yeah, for much, sure. Much, like, lower stakes, of course. Yeah. But, yeah, I think everyone's gone through that. You know, you're just watching yourself. Uh, Continuously fucked you know, up. Fade. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. Fail. That's why he's one of the most relatable characters. Yeah. Even if he's, like, a, you know, was a stone-cold killer, but on the path to seeking redemption, so. Right, right. And it's, um, you know, it's again with all the layers involved. We, of course, talked a lot about like little Melvin, uh, Melvin Williams Mm -hmm. a lot on this show already. And what him getting a second chance by being a cast member on this show means. um, And the fact that he has like such a soul searching conversation with Cuddy uh, maybe is part of like the creators his own sly commentary on what they were trying to uh make of you know felicia pearson who plays snoop and melvin williams's lives now that they had like kind of gotten a handle on things and hopefully that could you know 
the voodoo of that somehow can like make Cuddy's storyline more effective or impressive. All right. Uh, I mean, also, I said, oh, we'll include that with Butch, you know. I mean, Dozierman's like a uh, little paper uh, press conference or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, like, he still uh, looks fucked up. Like, looks like maybe he's not fully recovered. No, yeah, his jaw's still wide shut or whatnot. <laughs> and, you know, more. Uh, oh, do, do you think that he required like cosmetic, uh, cosmetic. Uh, attention before being paraded in front of uh, you know the press and in the city uh, given the situation and you know what this situation actually actually means uh, you know it's like is it just all cosmetic reform yeah basically (laughs) right I mean they make a big show of them getting the gun back it's like okay like yeah the streets are safer I don't I mean I mean, it's a huge deal, I guess. You know, that whole, like, Bay Area situation where, like, the bipping, you know, where they, like, smash the, smash and grab? Mm. Kind of makes me think of that. Like, some guy, like, a FBI got their gun and, like, equipment stolen out of the back of their car at, like, a Lafayette or... Uh, oh, damn. Tell your family, be safe out there, man. Got his gun <laughs> stolen out of the back of his car. It's like, What? I've, I've been waiting for the FBI press conference in the Bay, like similar to this. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> like nice. the streets are safer now. Uh, FBI agents, or like that one time the FBI guy was like break dancing and his like gun fell off. Oh yeah, I remember that. That was funny. What the hell is that? Anyways, uh, yeah, it's all bullshit. I'm uh, fading out, but hey, we yeah. did it. You, know, you ready to like put an this, hour and seven? You ready to put this put this one to bed? Yeah. All right. Um, Willie, that does it, man. We 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 got we through, it through another, yeah, another great episode. Um, hope you all enjoyed that, and you know, don't hesitate. Uh, give us five stars, nice reviews. You know, uh, we appreciate the support. Check us out on all the uh, socials, um, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, did I mention where we're up uh, up on uh, as far as platforms are concerned? Were they supposed to do that in the beginning, Willie? Probably. Uh-huh. iTunes, uh, Stitcher yeah. now, thanks to Willie's hard work. <laughs> uh, you know, wait, Apple Podcasts, not iTunes. Yeah. Apple Podcasts. It's all the same. Spotify. Yeah. Anywhere you get your podcasts. That's what the pros say. Find us anywhere you get your podcasts. Yeah. We're we're probably up on it. We're worldwide. Give us a nice review. Yeah, we're worldwide. So, Willie, uh, anything else to add there? Um, If you all have any questions, comments, or concerns, reach out to us at thegodswillnotsaveyou at gmail.com. Thanks for that. Also, always want to mention... um, our creative support, most art with the uh, original music, intros, outros, bumpers, all the great stuff from him. He's got some new music up and check him out, mostart.com. Most art is great. And so is Andre Tesnis, who did our incredible podcast logo, amazing graphic designer. Mm-hmm.